Good morning, and welcome to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. Today is Saturday, September 17th, 2022, and we are broadcasting live from the northwest side of Chicago. Welcome, glad you could be with us. My name is David Canfield, and I'll be hosting this time. And in fact, this morning we're doing something a little different. I'm going to be, I'll be hosting a few different brothers, uh, as we'll explain more in a little minute, in a minute or so. Uh, you can visit us online at thechristianfaith.org. And if you have comments or questions about uh, the program or about the Christian life in general, you can send us an email at notes at thechristianfaith.org. And if you want to listen to previous editions of the program, you can do that via the podcast, which you can find on our website. Again, that's thechristianfaith.org. And uh, just click on the media tab, and the podcast link is right under there. So, as I started to say, we are going to be having a few different uh, guests on the program this morning. We're going to begin with a little discussion about the British monarchy. Uh, Of course, uh, last week we started to talk about how we, as the believers in Christ, are destined to reign with Christ for eternity. And, of course, that was, we wanted to consider that because of the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, should really be a, a reminder to us of our destiny as believers to reign with Christ. And uh, so we wanted to continue that this morning. And we uh, uh, have a, a guest lined up to help us do that in the first segment. And then in the second segment, we're going to have more of a roundtable discussion uh, on the topic of uh, gaining the crown to reign with Christ during the millennium. So really looking forward to the program today. And with that, I will bring on our first guest, uh, this is the world-renowned uh, British monarchist and uh, knower of all things uh, about England, uh, who also happens, by a strange coincidence, to be my brother-in-law, David Hayes, uh, out in the Grange. Uh, David, are you there? I am here, sir. <laughs> thank you for the kind introduction. I do not uh, consider myself an expert, but I do hang around in a society with people who are. So thank you for that. <laughs> Yeah, and by society, you mean an actual society, right? Uh, can you can you explain yeah. a little bit about that? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it is it's now called the Euro History Society. Um, it is a group of people from around the world who meet periodically and discuss various royalties, hmm. and um, also uh, are very much into uh, books written about royalty plus original sources. Okay, yeah. Well, and of course, in our family, we all we all know how much you're into that, Dave, and that, that's why I thought it'd be a good idea to to have you on the program this morning. So, welcome, welcome to the program. So glad, Thank uh, you. so glad this worked out. Uh, and of course, we were we were talking uh, earlier in the week. Um, and, and in our family, that's a, at least in our family, you have the reputation of being the monarchist, and uh, and also, and I don't want to uh, date you too much, David, but I was thinking you're the only among our siblings and uh, in laws. You're the only one who was born prior to the reign of Queen Elizabeth, right? So uh, That is correct, and yeah. I, I remember her, her father's death as a boy, and I remember wow. seeing her coronation in 1953 on black and white. Oh, oh I was going to—so you did see, actually see that. Wow, okay. Because not many yeah. people had TVs then. Okay, wow, Dave. Well, that, that was obviously quite a pageant. Of course, it was the first time it was ever, ever televised. And you, you actually re- remember that then. Wow. Oh, vividly, vividly, wow. because so few people in our neighborhood had a TV set, and so hmm. we're all crowded around the TV set. Oh, wow, wow. And, uh, and of course, uh, 
you at that time you were in uh, Indiana, I believe, right? Uh, so correct. Right. Okay. That's that's good. Yeah. Right. Wow, Dave. Well, I was. I, was, yeah, I meant to ask you if you, if you remembered that. Uh, yeah. Quite. Quite something. Um, so uh, we were talking about the British monarchy uh, a couple of days ago, and you pointed something out that I was not aware of, which is all the British. Now, there's there's a few different families, a few different houses that have ruled England since the Norman invasion of 1066, but they all have to trace their lineage back to apparently William the Conqueror is, is what you said, right? So Correct. Okay. Well, I was not aware of that. So, so that's what gives them their legitimacy is the fact that they can say we are descendants of William the Conqueror. Okay. Right. So, and it wasn't a straight shot all the way through. At various points, um, the line, uh, the main line kind of died out and they had to go to a hmm. cousin or... Uh, definitely a blood relative, and put, um, in this case, him on the throne uh, to continue the line, so to speak. Hmm. And, and what are the different houses, David, that have, have ruled England since that time? Just just briefly. Well, just briefly, um, William the Conqueror, of course, was Norman. By the way, he did not have a last name, so there's no surname attached to him, hmm. nor to, I think it's the next three rulers. Really? Okay. Um until um, uh, Henry II, he was a Plantagenet. Okay. And that was succeeded by the House of Lancaster. And the, these are their last names? Or... They, that was considered their, their surname in those days. I see. Okay. Okay. And then after Lancaster came the House of York. And, of course, uh, they were succeeded by the Tudors uh, for some time. And... Um, the last of the Tudors was Queen Elizabeth I. Oh. Uh, when she died, they um, they brought in uh, James VI of Scotland to rule from the House of Stuart. And then we had... Now, he, James VI, he became James I of the King James Version. Is that right? Correct. He's okay. the one who, um, what's the word, commissioned the King James okay. Version. Okay, so that's, that's uh, now it was published 1611, so that gives you an idea of how, how far we are now. So go ahead. Ahead, right. We're up to 1603 to 1625. And then um, about a century later, specifically 1714, when the last of the Stuarts died out, they had a reach across, and I forget which cousin this was in terms of relationship, to the House of Hanover in Germany. Hmm. And believe it or not, um, Queen Victoria's surname, it went all the way to Queen Victoria, uh, her surname was Hanover before oh. she married uh, Prince Albert. Hmm. And uh, that surname was Saxe-Coburg. But and as a result, Edward VII was Saxe-Coburg, but then he died. He was succeeded by George V. And during World War One, George V, to, shall we say, de-Germanize the name, uh, officially changed the name to Windsor, hmm. which went right through to Queen Elizabeth, um, but she married Philip Mountbatten. So I would guess they're going to record King Charles III's last name or surname as Mountbatten. Hmm. Hmm. So that's a total, I think, of nine or ten different surnames. Wow. And uh, William the Conqueror, as you and I discussed, is considered, um, shall we say, the first of the modern monarchy in Britain. Okay, wow. And that to, that to me was amazing because uh, 
when I thought, okay, so that was 1066, the Battle of Hastings, and I'm, I'm happy to report I did, I did remember that from my uh, being a history major in college. It's a, obviously a very important date in, uh, in English and American history, the Battle of Hastings, when uh, he came over from France, basically, and, and conquered England, although you said he was basically taking, a, he, had a, he had a rightful claim to the crown, to the crown of England, but, but that's when it started. Yeah. So, and so when you think about it, that's <clears throat> less than a thousand years ago. So you think about right. all this history. So that won't be a thousand years until t- the year twenty sixty six, ten sixty six to twenty sixty six. Yeah, and that and twenty sixty six, and we'll just assume for a moment that William will be on the throne. That will mean there have been forty three monarchs wow. uh, between William the Conqueror and William, and their average mm. reign. I figured it out. W- will be as of 1066, the average reign will be about 23 and a quarter years. Well, that's interesting. That's longer than I would have thought. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. so Charles is the 42nd king since... Yes, he is the okay. 42nd. William will be the 43rd. Okay. Okay. Wow. Well, I, but that was so impressive to me because as you we were, were talking about in the program last year, the, the, the Lord's promise to the believers in Revelation uh, 20 verse 4 is that they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years the overcoming believers, a thousand years. So that gives you, if you look at the British monarchy in in that light, that gives you an idea of just how long that thousand-year reign is. We're still not to the end of it. And uh, and you said, like, is it, if this is going to be the 42nd king of England, but right. uh, if we are the overcomers who are reigning with Christ, we'll reign for that whole time. And you think about the difference in the world of today compared to 1066, that gives you an idea of just how long we're going to be reigning with Christ. Wow, really something. Well, um, uh, so, um, I just, yeah, just a couple more sp- specific questions, Dave, unless you have some general comments about the monarchy. I mean, uh, to me, like I, I said, there's no, it's clear there's no throne on earth that compares with the British monarchy, that's for sure, uh, in terms well, of... I just, I, just, I just have one comment. Um, when you and I talked earlier this week, um, you uh, alluded to the fact that Billy Graham had met the queen and yes. i knew that but i was curious is i've always been curious was she a believer and she uh if you look at her speeches uh, towards the middle and towards the end of her reign uh she mentions christ a great deal yeah. and so i uh went and did a little research and the long and the short of it was that uh it t- turns out that queen elizabeth met with billy graham 12 times that we know and, of, yeah, it may have been more than that. The public that meetings, of, yeah, right. And it's reported that um, he preached to her at least twice. Hmm. And this is, you may think this is a stretch, and your other listeners uh, might think so too. But when you look at all the commentary on Queen Elizabeth and the type of person she was, I can't help thinking that. She must have read. She, by the way, she was known to read her Bible regularly. That's oh, not good. all I could find. But uh, she must have come across this, pas- uh, this um, passage in Colossians. It's Colossians three twelve, and she exemplified this. And very briefly, it is it is as follows. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness. Humility, gentleness, and patience, and she most certainly did that. Yeah, 
Yes, I, you, she sur- she really was such an example of a, of a godly ru- ruler. So, I, and, uh, and 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 because of her uh, warm relationship with uh, Brother Graham, it does make you really very uh, hopeful that she really was a genuine believer in Christ. So, praise the Lord for that. Certainly, just a marvelous example, just a remarkable lady, uh, and uh, just such a piece of 20th and 21st century history was just amazing. And so, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's just a world historical event that she's. She's uh, she's passed away and gone on, and now they're changing the uh, uh, the the ruler of England to to King Charles. I mean, you have to get used to saying that now. We've said Prince Charles Prince Charles for so long, you really have to get used to the new new title. He uh, he had to be trained, right? Uh, I mean, he was born uh, when he was born. He was in line for the throne already, but he in order Correct. to be prepared for this moment. He had to be trained and raised up, right? And I believe that was especially through his uncle, Lord Mountbatten, right? If I have that right. Well, it was it was two people really. Um, Lord Mountbatten was sort of the father that I think Charles wished he had, hmm. and he was a huge influence. But remember, Lord Mountbatten was uh, twenty years older than Charles's real father, Philip. Okay, so, okay. really? Okay. So it might it might be almost a grandfatherly relationship. But I've heard the expression used that um, Lord Mountbatten was the father that Charles wished he had. The second person was um, uh, Charles's grandfather, um, a grandmother, rather, Elizabeth the Queen Mother. She had a huge influence on him, and she had also uh, a huge sense of what she thought the monarchy should be. So that was Elizabeth's mother and his correct. grandmother. She lived to be 101. She only passed away in 2001, was it? 2002? 2002. At the age of 101. Wow. Wow. So, okay. So those two. But but the point is, even though he had that royal birth, he had to be prepared to be the king. He couldn't just uh, uh, walk on, into the... Uh, thrown unprepared, and it's interesting when you you know even uh, with Prince Harry and Prince William, uh, they've both I think been involved in the military, right, and uh, in training right. in schools, and and in that stage they do have some contact with commoners and uh, some exposure to, to typical English people, right? Like uh, was it Prince? Correct. William was was over in Afghanistan fighting with the soldiers there, right? Wasn't he? And uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I get- I get what Prince William and Prince Harry did militarily. Yeah. Uh, it kind of blends together after a while. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but they do have that that kind of training, right? Which to me is very impressive. And they go to school, uh, and uh, and and say so. They do have some exposure to just the regular people through that kind of training, which I think is very very valuable. So. Um, right. So, Dave, I think it's very just. Thanks so much for, for the background. Unless you have any final thoughts. Uh, about uh, the monarchy, anything you want to add? I mean, it's just just very impressive to me to consider this, you know, in light of the fact that we one day are going to be reigning with Christ. Praise the Lord. So so go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. I was just going to say that um, people often ask what, and this is uh, more from a secular standpoint, what was her real contribution? And um, uh, shall we say the, the consensus of all the articles I have read um, has uh, has come down to this: that she, def- through the her demonstrating what we would consider traditional virtues, 
that the queen was a a source, a focus of stability in this sort of turbulent world we live in today. And the articles very subtle have said that that is why we feel the loss, is that she was the rock. She was apolitical, no matter. And let's face it, every family has a few, and she obviously had a few who attracted a bit of scandal, but she herself never did. And I think that's important, too, because she really did believe and then practice, um, for instance, duty to others, modesty, um, fortitude, if you will, that was mentioned, um, things like that. It made her, as you said, a really good example of, of what a benevolent ruler should be. Really so. I, I was really impressed. She, she lived long enough to uh, greet and to... Uh, I'm not sure what the right word would be, but to uh, certify the new prime minister, Theresa May, right. I think is her name. And that, I just, to me, I didn't know if she was declining or so much, but she maybe she just wanted to hang on until she could do that, because obviously she knew a couple, a couple of months ago that was going to happen. And just, yeah, just her sense of duty. I, I did want to add too, Dave, one thing, uh, I watched the ceremony where David, was, or not Dave, where uh, Charles was crowned. And not crowned. I have to get it right. He was oh, officially was made. Proclaimed. He was proclaimed. Proclaimed. That's okay. Thank you. He was proclaimed officially proclaimed to be the king a week or so ago. And in that yeah. ceremony, there was such a reminder of what the Protestant Christian faith has meant to England over the centuries. And he specifically had to take an oath to defend the Protestant faith in Scotland and uh, and there are other right. uh, references to to the Bible and to to the faith. Very very impressive reminder. And it's a very healthy reminder in these days of just how much the Protestant Christian faith has uh, served as a bedrock for the English-speaking world uh, for centuries. And, and frankly, I think that's why there's been such a blessing upon uh, the English-speaking world uh, during that time, because we have had uh, that faith as the basis of our civilization. It was a very healthy reminder, I think, very something very needed in these days when there's such an effort now to secularize every aspect of, of uh, our government in our life. So praise the Lord for that. So, amen. Yes, praise the Lord for that. Yeah. David, thanks so much for being on. Really glad you could be with us uh, some, and uh, give us some uh, insight into the monarchy. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk soon. But thank you again, Dave, for being on with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, Dave. Bye-bye. 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 And that's going to do it for this segment of the program. Uh, and when we come back... Uh, we will bring on the other brothers for a group discussion about this matter of reigning with Christ. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge, both of our Savior and of our faith in him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify.
And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website, or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children, for his sake and his glory. Amen. Hello, and welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. So, in this segment, we want to continue our discussion of what it means to reign with Christ. And, of course, we began this last week uh, following the death of Queen Elizabeth, which just, uh, we felt, was a healthy reminder of the fact that as the believers in Christ, we are destined to reign with him, and praise the Lord for that. But there are two aspects of our reigning with Christ. Uh, The first one is mentioned in Revelation 20, verse 4, where it says we live and reign with Christ for a thousand years. And the second one is in Revelation 22, 5, where it says they shall reign forever and ever. So we have, and we have to be clear, we're, we're guaranteed as the believers to reign with Christ forever and ever, but we're not guaranteed to reign for that thousand years. And that's the one point we really want to try to get across this morning. Uh, to help believers understand this. This is a very, very serious matter. Uh, And it could hardly be clearer than it is in the New Testament, but it's not something that a lot of believers are aware of, the fact that we may lose the opportunity to reign with Christ for that thousand years. And so I just want to very quickly um, go through some of the verses that we've covered last week, just as a reminder. Uh, Because when you see this, in the New Testament, like I say, it just really, uh, it should have make a deep impression on us. I need to be very serious about my Christian life so I can reign with Christ, so that I am prepared to reign with Christ for that 1,000-year period. So, um, in Revelation 3, 21, the Lord promises the overcomers, to him who overcomes, I will grant with me to sit on my throne. So, You don't get to sit on the throne by believing in Christ. You get to sit on the throne by overcoming with Christ. Revelation 22, 26, and 27. And we're just going to go through these verses very quickly right now. And we'll list them below in the program notes on the podcast. But uh, just to review very quickly. uh, Revelation 2, 26, and 27. He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. So here, again, it's not believing. It's overcoming and keeping the Lord's works until the end. Uh, In Revelation uh, 3.11, he warns the church in Philadelphia. He says, hold fast what you have that no one take your crown. So it's possible that someone can take our crown away. So those are just the warnings in Revelation. In uh, uh, the Gospels, in uh, Luke 19, there's a parable of the Minas, and I won't read that, but it's a story where the, uh, a man of noble birth is going away to get a kingdom. And it says he called his ten servants to, to them, and he gives each of them a mina. Now, a mina was worth about 100 denarii, and a denarii, denarius was equal to about a day's wages. So it's a pretty good amount of money, 100 days' wages. He gives each of them a mina, and he says, do business until I come. And when he comes back, one says... Uh, Master, your mina has gained 10 minas. He says, you reign over 10 cities. Another one says, it's gained five minas. He says, you reign over five cities. But one of them comes and says, I I, I didn't do anything with your mina. And he says, okay, take the mina away from him. Give it to the one who has 10 uh, and give it to the one who has 10. 
So the one who didn't gain anything lost his mina, what the Lord had given him, and he did not get to reign over a city. Again, a very clear word from the Lord here that to reign with Christ, we have to be prepared to reign with him. Uh, and I appreciate what uh, D.M. Panton says about this parable of the minas. Very good statement. He says, officers are required for the administration of a kingdom. And so God has deliberately interposed a prolonged period between his two advents that our Lord might be enabled to, to so test his servants in his absence as to discover which are fitted for positions of responsibility and trust at his return. So that parable shows us he wants to find out who is ready to reign with him when he comes back. Uh, there's the example we, we quoted in uh, Matthew 19, 27 and 28 of Peter asking the Lord, what are we going to get because we followed you? He says, see, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? And the Lord didn't rebuke him for asking that question. He said, because you followed me, you're going to reign. Uh, you're going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, the Apostle Paul has the very same thought. He says, uh, in, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. Everyone who competes uh, for the prize is temperate in all things. They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. I run thus, not with uncertainty. I fight, uh, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So the Apostle Paul was concerned that he could be disqualified, but he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about the reward of reigning with Christ. Of gain. He wants to gain what he calls that imperishable crown. That's referring to reigning with Christ during that 1,000-year period. And the Apostle Paul didn't have the assurance that he was automatically going to reign that way. For sure, we should not have the assurance. We should have the assurance of our eternal security in Christ, of the eternal security of our salvation. But we cannot have the assurance, just as the Apostle Paul did not have the assurance, that we are going to gain the crown and reign with Christ during the millennium. Uh, in in uh, uh, 2 Timothy 2.12, uh, Paul also tells us, if we endure, we shall reign with him. It's not if we believe, if our sins are forgiven. It's if we endure, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And those verses, are, again, that's 2 Timothy 2, 12. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. So a very sober warning to the believers. And again, so we just quote these verses because this teaching is not really among Christians today as it should be. It's... Uh, um, a word Christians need to hear. We need to be much more sober, much more serious about following Christ and fearful, uh, like in a sense the Apostle Paul was, that we may not gain the prize of reigning with Christ if we're not faithful to the Lord in this age. And so that's, that's really kind of the basic thought uh, uh, in, these, in these programs. And, and with that, we're going to bring on uh, the other brothers. We have three brothers with us today. And uh, let's make sure we have them all with us. So, uh, brothers, are, are you all there? Joe, are you there? And uh, yes, Dave. Can you great, hear me? Joe. Yeah, uh huh. You're a little little muffled, but we we can hear you. Uh, Mark, are you there? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Again, that kind of muffled now a little bit. But uh, John, are you there? And uh, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, John. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. And Joe and uh, Mark have both been on the program uh, several times. Uh, John, this is the first time we've had you on. Uh, John is from, uh, well, from Palatine, I think, for a long time. Now you're up in Zion, right? Uh, 
That's right. I was born in uh, Palatine, and I yeah. moved to Zion, so I was a Palatinian, not a Zionist. <laughs> okay. Zion, and if you're not, not from this area, Zion is about, what, 45 minutes north of Chicago, near the Wisconsin border yeah, there. Yeah, it's on the northeast, northeast corner of yeah. Illinois. Yeah, yeah, very close to the lake, right, right. Yeah, I think if, if, you're, if you are clear about this matter of the reward, it actually strengthens your assurance of salvation, because then you'll have a proper understanding of those verses. And we stressed last week on the program, there's always two sides to divine truth. And that's that's so crucial for to have a proper, healthy understanding of the Bible, to see that principle, the twofold nature of divine truth. But so I, you know, I appreciate what you said, and I think you're talking about what Cherry said about this matter, just, just being able to hear the Lord's well done. That should be enough of a motive to really... Uh, cause us to run the race if we really love the Lord. But, but the Lord, he gives us these incentives of the reward and discipline. And uh, Watchman Nee said, uh, God sets before the sinner heaven and hell. He sets before the believer reward and discipline. And so, I mean, are we wrong to think of uh, that, that we want to gain the reward and, and that should motivate us to follow Christ and serve Christ in these days? And uh, Go ahead, whoever wants to pick up on that. Uh, is it is that an impure motive if we're seeking the incentive, if we're seeking the reward? Should it, should it just be enough that we just want to serve the Lord and please Him? The connection um, may not be exactly what we like, but but John, go ahead. Just can you answer that question? Just um, what what about is well, it okay for us? Maybe I could just approach something because I I am having a hard time getting into the okay. uh, conversation. Okay, uh, but one one verse that stands out to me is. Um, is that the Apostle Paul at the end of, of of Timothy, Second Timothy, he writes the letter, and and he knows that his departure is at hand, so, um, but he realizes that um, the Lord has been with him all this time, and that um, and he served him well, and like uh, I think what Mark was sharing about uh, having that that well done faithful servant is is reward enough. And, but Paul says in Second uh, Timothy, or I think it's chapter or verse eight, henceforth the crown of righteousness is laid up for me, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will render to me in that day. Um, but not only to me. So this is the part that touches me the most. But not only to me, mm. but also to all those who love is appearing. And to me, um, receiving. When I received eternal life, when I um, uh, fell in love with the Lord, I, I loved His appearing. And um, something happened that day where uh, my darkness turned to light, um, woe became joy, everything turned around. And um, I think the secret of, I don't know for sure, but to me, it seems the secret of our um, Christian life is just to be those that um, are those that love the Lord's appearing. And, and that because the Christian life is a reigning life. Um, when you receive the Lord, you receive the one that's reigning in you. And like like Charles was, was had to be born of a certain family. In a sense, yes, we have to be born of a certain family, right? We ha- uh, in order to reign, we have to be those that are, have the, the pedigree. But uh, that pedigree is nothing but Christ Himself, and um, and I'm so joyful that um, it's nothing of me. But uh, loving the Lord's appearing has caused me to repent, 
has caused me to um, to seek him, has caused me to, to read the Bible, to, to see what's in his word, has caused me to sing, has caused me to be overjoyed with um, the Lord's presence. And, and I believe, Amen. I firmly believe, that that, that uh, life within us is the reigning life. And, and that life is the one that's going to reign a thousand years. And it's, it's nothing of me, but it's just uh, re- loving everything the Lord has uh, shown me. So I think the, in, my, in my Christian life, loving His appearing, and I don't know how it's all going to work out, to be honest with you. I have no, no <laughs> idea how it's going to work out for me personally. But I do know um, uh, when the Lord appears to us, that it's, I love it, and um, I, I hope that I continue loving it. Amen. Yeah, amen. That is a precious yeah. verse. All those who have loved His appearing, and it's it's if if we're those who love the Lord's appearing, then for sure we're going to be those who reign with Him. We we talked earlier this week about today we reign in life. That's Romans five seventeen. That's quite a uh, significant verse. In a thousand years, we're not just reigning in life, we're going to reign in position. We're going to reign outwardly. Today, our reigning is something inward and hidden. Like you say, John, it's a matter of uh, receiving the Lord's grace and uh, loving him and uh, following him. But people don't see it outwardly yet. To us, you know, we're, we're, they, they see these kind of lowly uh, human beings who are just living common, ordinary lives. But when the Lord comes back, suddenly it's going to be manifested what we have with Christ. And if we're if we're those who have been faithful right. to follow him, we'll be sitting with him on the throne. Praise the Lord for that. So, but today, but we should have that foretaste today—the kind of thing you're talking about of loving the Lord, loving His appearing. That's an inward; it's a hidden thing uh, which others can't see. And the, the verse I, I, I should quote that verse uh, as a whole. It's it's Romans uh, five seventeen. Uh, uh, let me see. I thought, I thought I had it in front of me, but I don't. Um, if uh, uh, Oh, let me see. I better look that up because I want to make sure I can quote it correctly. So, um, but it talks about how today we reign in great reign. We receive the abundance of grace, and so we can reign in life through Him. Uh, so it's uh, Romans five seventeen. For if by the offense of the one, uh, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one. Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. So today, even today, we should be those who are reigning in life. That's what it means to be prepared to reign with Christ in the next stage. Praise the Lord. Well, I, I believe that, yeah, that reigning in um, in the next stage is based on our reigning now. So. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's And that's why, you know, I, I appreciate the example of, of, of Prince Charles. He had to be prepared. Like you said, John, he was uh, born into the right—he was born to the throne, put it that way. Uh, but he still had to go through that preparation to be ready for to take the the throne when the time came. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I certainly had that experience of of meeting believers who you just sensed were they were really in the Lord, and there was a dignity with them, and uh, uh, just a, a nobility, you could say almost. Uh, and and that's something we should all experience, but not all the believers do. You know, there's so much emphasis on, on free grace today. You know, you're saved, your sins are forgiven. And it's almost, a lot of Christians have this thought, we're going to be forgiven sinners with God in eternity. No, we're not going to. We're going to be the many glorified sons of God who are reigning with Christ. Our sins are going to be completely gone forever. 
and uh, and we should have that kind of a concept and that that kind of a realization, and and a hope and and hopefully if we have that realization, it'll make us much more serious about our Christian life, and I I personally feel very strongly that if, if if more believers were entering into this kind of experience, our whole society today would be different. There'd be, you know, the Lord said, uh, we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world, right? If we, if we were living this kind of life, we'd have much more of that salting and enlightening effect on the world. And you have to believe uh, the sin that is, uh, just seems to be uh, increasing every day would, would be uh, somewhat checked by that kind of salting and, and enlightening effect. But because uh, so much teaching today is so uh, shallow and so deficient in this regard, uh, Christians just aren't aware how, of how serious we need to be in this matter of following Christ. Oh, Lord. Joe, Joe, go ahead. Did you, have any, did you want to jump in, Joe? Go ahead. So. Yeah. Can you hear me? Is this any Yeah, yeah that's good. Or? Go ahead. Good, Joe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm speaker. I'm just changing the mode here. Uh, I actually... From the Abodes Fellowship, I got a little light this morning on um, Romans chapter 5, verse mm. 17. You know, I have always uh, believed there's a difference between uh, a believer, one who receives Christ. You know, by definition, uh, John chapter 1, verse 12, believing, receiving Christ, the same thing. Um, and a disciple, one who follows, a follower, or a learner, by definition, because I know many believers in Jesus Christ, but I don't know that they are necessarily followers. And I know that applies to me as well. I believed in Christ, um, and I was so happy. But then there was another time where I was challenged to follow the Lord, or as a disciple. At any rate, when I look at verse Romans 5.17, you know, you realize righteousness is a gift, Right? Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness to everyone who believes. It's Amen. a gift. We receive it. But then he talked about those who receive the abundance of grace. And to me, I mean, different ways to define grace, but, you know, grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. So to me, when I experience Christ, I am experiencing the grace of God. Well, the question is, would I receive the abundance of grace? You see, and it's there to receive, but would I, and this is conditional, would I receive it? And this has to do, to me, with reigning in life. The more I experience Christ in following Him uh, and, and laboring for Him, whatever that looks like, always the grace accompanies, uh, accompanies me. And there's an abundance of grace the more we follow or are disciples of the Lord. And the result of that is to reign you know, in this age, to reign in life. And to me, that is so uh, experiential. We're not waiting to go to heaven or something. Uh, we can experience Christ right now, the abundance of grace. The gift uh, is righteousness. That's a gift. Uh, abundance of grace is, to me, is, depends on how much I will uh, open to Christ, follow Christ, and, and experience Him. So, you see what I mean? There's two different aspects. One is a gift, the other is, is conditional. Would I experience the grace of God? That's my limited view of that verse, but I, I got a little bit light on that this morning. On, on Romans 5.17. I, I think that's very good, Joe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, mm -hmm. yeah. When, I, when, I, when I hear that, it just, it just gives me the sense that uh, my human life and my Christian life are so meaningful because I'm being prepared 
for something. That's that's in uh, Pant, uh, not Panton, but Pember has that statement. Our our life here is an apprenticeship, is the way he puts it, to prepare us to reign with Christ. And again, I really like that quote from Panton I read earlier, that uh, the Lord is. Uh, uh, testing us to find out so as to discover which of his servants are fitted for positions of responsibility and trust at his return. And when you have that kind of a view, uh, it, it really makes your life meaningful. I think a lot of Christians don't really know, what am I, okay, I'm saved. If if the forgiveness of sins is all there is to my Christian life, then what is the rest of my Christian life for? What am I really here for? Well, the answer is, you're here to be prepared to experience, like you said, Joe, the abundance of grace inwardly. Uh, so we learn what it means to reign with Christ today in a difficult situation so that we can be, be prepared to reign with him when he returns, when everything will be you know, much more wonderful. right? And I think, John, that's kind of what you were getting at too earlier, that as we, as we love the Lord and love his appearing, that's what really uh, trains us and prepares us to, to, to reign with the Lord. Right, John? If so... Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, he's the reigning one, so yes. uh, loving his being within us. Uh, I think a lot of, sometimes when you talk about um, the future and uh, what, uh, like, losing the crown of righteousness and gaining it, um, sometimes I think we we tend uh, to try to do things on our own, <laughs> you know, uh, do our own reigning mm-hmm. um, without having a Lord's uh actually reigning within us. I don't know if that makes sense to you. No, that's right. You, you can... You, do I, the way I would say it is understanding this, that the Lord needs to do a work within us gives us actually a much fuller appreciation of what grace really is. If, if your only realization of grace is that it, it's God's uh, unmerited favor that has resulted in the forgiveness of my sins... You know, that's wonderful. That is a, just a, a precious realization. And we need always to have a part. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Always to have a more and more realization. Right? A, a, a part of it. Yeah, that's right. That's part of what grace is. But but I want to make it clear, we don't diminish that part. That's a just a, a wonderful realization to have, for sure. But right. when you realize grace also needs to operate within me, and uh, do a work in me so I can be prepared to reign with Christ as I love him and allow him to deal with me, deal with my emotions, deal with my thoughts, right? Paul says we need we bring every thought into captivity. How is one thing that's that's a much deeper work that the grace is doing within you. So you're you don't have less of an appreciation of grace. You have a much fuller appreciation of grace when you have this realization of the need for Christ to do a work within me. Praise the Lord. So uh, I, th- I think also, Dave, I was just thinking as you were talking, you know, um, righteousness is objective. It is an objective fact, mm-hmm. the Bible tells us. Uh, grace, experiencing grace, is subjective day by day. Do I experience what I receive, this grace, this enjoyment, this uh, these riches from Christ? To me, that's subjective, and that makes it so so real to us today. It's not just an objective truth. It's something we can experience day by day. Amen. That's, that'll be a good word to end on, Mark. That we need we need to recapture that that the beauty and the romance of the Christian life by uh, experiencing the Lord's grace, so we can reign in life. Praise the Lord. Amen, brothers. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Sorry, we, we some technical problems, but uh, still, I think a good discussion. I appreciate that. Amen, brothers. So we'll we'll talk to you soon. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay. 
Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the, the broadcast, the Christian Faith Radio Hour. And thank you again for joining us. Well, Lord willing, we will talk to you again next week. You've been listening to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. You can visit us online at our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you have comments or questions, send us an email at questions at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify.